By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Life is hard. Work is mundane and it often feels meaningless. Day in and day out. You wake up, you go to work, you go home, only to do it all over again the next day. But what does all this have to do with faith? Think about it. The things we talk about at church, what does everyday work have to do with that, with following Jesus? They can feel like separate worlds. That's been our vision for far too long. God's vision for people is bigger, more beautiful, more compelling, and frankly, more real. Our work is hard because our world is broken. Greed and laziness and corruption break things down. But at its core, work is good. You're created for this to serve and to care for others through your everyday work. So think about your work, or maybe the work you hope to have someday. What if work is actually the best way to love and serve your neighbor? What if everyday work is more sacred than you ever realize? Doesn't that change everything? We're believing the answer to that question that our video ends with each week is yes, it does change uh, everything. Um, as was mentioned, this was a, a weekend we've been praying towards for uh, months and months as a church leading up to yesterday's IF Women's Conference, um, which God was so good in that. I wasn't here, being that I'm not a woman, but um, I've already heard beautiful things and just um, uh, little ways, big ways, right? So uh, I, on my paper here, uh, earlier in the week, I just, I just want to start the message with this phrase that God is at work um, in all the craziness of this week. And, and there's a lot of people that put a lot of hours in this week. Seth, our, our worship director, was one of them. Um, I did not know what the song was before I was preaching until this morning. I didn't know that I was going to be saying God is at work right off of singing God is working everything. He's always working it out. Um, and that's just little ways and big ways that he's letting us know as a church, as a community, uh, that, uh, that he's on the move. He's, he's been in the move, on the move in this series. Uh, behind me is this 90,000, this idea that we spend 90,000 hours of our life um, doing something. And it may be work that you get paid for, maybe unpaid work, maybe retirement, volunteering, academic, school. We're putting all that in one bucket and calling it work. And we spend uh, an hour together a week here, and then some of us spend some other time together through the week, but for most of us, the majority of our time is spent at a workplace or at a school um, or at home doing work there, and what does God have to say about that? Last week, I was talking to some folks between services, and, and we were you know, mentioning this, this theme verse. I don't think it's on uh, the screen. It's Colossians 3, 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Uh, in the name of Jesus, for the glory of God, being grateful to God the Father. And, and, and these three folks that I was talking to in the back of the room, um, they all have different jobs, very different um, sectors of the workplace, nothing similar about what they do. But they were remarking of how, like, that's the, that's the, that's the hard part of this series, right? Because the, the theme verse is, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus, well, they're trying to figure out what that looks like in their specific job, in their specific school, in their specific season. And one of them made, um, you know, a comment, um, you know, a funny comment to me. It was in, it was in all in good. It, the comment to me was like, that's your job, right? To figure out how to apply this message, Colossians 3, to each person in each row, to each situation, right? And they were kidding because that ain't my job. And if it is my job, y'all are in trouble right? There's no way that I can figure out like what, like what do you do with your job based on this series? What does this look like? We're so thankful to have uh, the Holy Spirit that can apply and help and, and I believe make some pretty significant moves in life of how we do and how we approach and maybe even where we work, right? So I need a volunteer this morning I need somebody at the 9 a.m. Um, that, is, that is considering on the brink of leaving your job. All right. I, that was a joke. I didn't think anybody would be like, you know, because you don't want to put that out there. There's a lot, there's a lot of those hands on both sides and in the back ready to go. You don't care who knows, all right? Thank you for that. You know, just a little tip. Sometimes, you know, word gets out, so you don't always want to know that you're, uh, you're on your way. If that's you or if that, you know, here's what we know. We know there's all kinds of stats I'm not even going to run through. Like, you know, lots of people 
are considering changing jobs. It's at an all-time high in our culture. In our culture today, we can, we can prove it. There's more people. We started this series saying 50% of people in a recent survey, 2022 survey, said they, they think that they'll change jobs in the next 12 months, right? That's crazy. That's always been people changing jobs. It's never been half, half of the working folks. There's also a lot of folks, um, and you know them. If you're not one of them, you know somebody who is. They're just unhappy, right? Young people, we're, we're asking you to insert academics in school if that's where you're at in life. So, so when I say work, you think school. There's a lot of people unhappy in their school. There's a lot of people unhappy in their jobs, right? And, and we could spend a lot of time with me trying to help you figure out, is it time, you know, is it this, is it that? And, and, and I could try to diagnose. And if you come to me, you're like, man, the last seven jobs I've had, I've just been miserable in all of them, right? And I'm going to nod my head and smile and I'm going to be thinking, that's probably you, right? If it's the last, because you're the only common denominator in each of those situations. But, but I'm not going to be very uh, good at that, of really knowing what that means. Um, and, and, and getting into like, is it a sin to leave a job? Of course it's not, right? Uh, it's not a sin to leave a job. It's not a sin to stay at a job. Um, the, the, key is, the key is how do you know? The key is whatever you're about to do and whatever God's gonna call you to do, are you, are you gonna bring God into the conversation? And if you bring him into the conversation, this is so huge, church, are you bringing him in as Lord, as he likes to be addressed and who he is? Like he is Lord and master, or do you want him bring him into the conversation as your consultant? Right, kind of like, you know what consultants like? You talk about a good job. Consultants come in, they tell you everything you should do, everything that's wrong, they, they, they get paid no matter what, and they tell you what you should do, and then they go on to the next deal, right? Um, and they don't have to stay in that. Um, is, is Jesus for you, is he like, hey, you know, you got some wisdom on this. Why don't, let me hire you in to like, give me, give me a fresh perspective. Or is he Lord and he's your master and you've committed your life to him and, and that includes where you work. Let's, let's, let's look at this scenario. Let, let's see if this is, I think this is true. I've heard this so many times in our church. Right? I'm not talking about the world and surveys across the country. I'm talking about, I've heard you say some version of this statement. You say, life would be better if I changed jobs, right? And what that, what that means is a lot of things, right? But what I've heard that mean in our church is, man, it is so stressful if, if I changed jobs, man, my kids would be so thankful. My spouse would be so uh, thankful. Um, uh, my health, my physical health would be better. It is taking so much from me. It is toxic, right? I dread it. I just hate Sundays, not because of church, but because I know where I have to go back to tomorrow. It's just I life in so many ways, mental health, spiritual health, relational health, uh, family health, um, fulfillment, per life would be better so many ways if I changed jobs, but I would make less money, right? And this is a whole, this is a whole message um, that we're not gonna get to. I just got to hit on this from the top. If that's you, man, man, God wants to speak to your heart, just wants to open you up. We love you, right? And, and we're for you and there's grace, but man, why are we so willing to trade quality of life and peace to make money that doesn't go with us? To make money that doesn't do what we're depending on it to do. Because what we're saying in that situation is, I am willing to make the trade. The money to me is worth the misery of life. And it's not, and you know it's not. Uh, there's a story this week I heard of a, of a young lady in our church who um, super educated and, and undergrad and then law degree, was practicing law uh, here locally and just was not doing what she felt like God had called her to do. So she now is um, teaching eighth grade here locally, right? And, 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 is, and she would say is fulfilled and, and life is better. Right, and we can make lawyer jokes all day right there, right, it's an easy shot. You know what we need? We need lawyers that are following Jesus, right? So we don't pit occupations against each other. Like some of you may be called to do that. That was not what she felt her calling was. So she walked from that and she's doing what we can all agree may be the hardest job on the planet, teaching eighth grade. Right? 
And she would say that it was a wise change, a wise decision. The key is who's leading the decision, not what the actual decision is. So here's the question. The first question of the day that's going to be followed by a bigger question. The question of the day is how do you know when it's time to go? Right? How do you know when it's time to go? Go from a job, uh, go from a, a season, go from a volunteering, uh, go from a school or, or go from school to work or any of those kind of things. How do you know when it's, when it's time to go? And here's, the, here's what you may think is the hard part. I don't think so. The hard part is I can't go to first whatever in the scripture and tell you if you should be a teacher or an attorney. Right? There's no verse that's gonna speak to attorney teacher stuff specifically. But there is a God who's real and living and active that wants to speak to your specific situation, where you're at in life and where you're going. But how do you know when it's time to go? And as I say that, I think it'd be easy if I'm some of you to check out. Some of the young people, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't, I, you know, does that, is, is maybe God's calling me to drop out? No, no, not right. Like, don't hear that. Right, so if, if you're in school or you're retired or you're in your job and you're, and you're fulfilled, like, or if for whatever reason, you're just like, there ain't no way. <laughs> ain't no way, I, I can't leave my job. You don't understand, that's fine. This is, this is bigger than whether you're changing jobs, leaving jobs, retiring, whatever. Here's, here's the much bigger question that I think is gonna be much more helpful to us. How do you know God's will for your life? See, whether you're, whether you're thinking about college and what that is and what that looks like, whether you're thinking about if you're about to retire and what that's gonna look like, wherever you are, this is a much better question. But man, that's a question people have been asking for a long time, right? How do you know what God wants for your life? If we can figure that out, then all the other details of life kind of fall into place. That is an enormous question and we're ready to tackle it this week and next week. We, we, gotta, we, got, we really... We need two weeks to go where we need to go on this. This morning, we want you to be honest with yourself. We're not gonna ask you to come up and talk about the job that you wanna leave. We're not gonna ask you to, you know, to raise your hand on this or that. What we're gonna ask is that you'd be honest in your heart and your mind about what you believe about God because that's gonna set the stage for what God wants to do among us, specifically what you believe about God's level of Blank. We're going to walk through three things, God's level of this, this, and this. And, and you get to be honest with you and God, because he knows what you're thinking, about what you believe. Here's the first one. What do you believe about God's level of care? Right? God's level of care for you. Like, what do you honestly, like, be real with yourself. There's no reason to lie to yourself or God because he knows what you already think and he can work with where you are and move you. Like, do you think God cares? What's his level of care about your next step in life? Whether you go or stay or retire or not retire or stay in your job or move cities or like end the relationship, start the relationship. How, how much how much does God really care about your, not about us, we're not talking about us today, right? We like to talk about us, it's important to talk about us. We're not talking about us, we're talking about you. If it's just you, if it was that awkward morning, right? That awkward Sunday morning where nobody came to church but you and I'm up here preaching and it's weird for you and it's weird for me and I'm saying, hey, how, what is your level of confidence that God actually cares about what you're thinking right now in this series and in this season of your life. Here's what I believe with all my heart. God's level of care for you is off the charts. It is more than we could preach or, or state in words that he cares more than we can preach. And how do we know that's fun to preach, but how do we know that God cares about your next step in life? And here's how we know, the gospel. The incredible news of our rescue and adoption, that he sent Jesus for the world, yes. That he sent Jesus for us, yes. That God so loved the world, yes. But inside that bucket of the world included you and your sin, that he cared so much for you that he didn't just die for the sins of the world, that your shame, your guilt, your specifics were present on the cross. 
That, why? Because this world is hard and this life is hard. And there's going to be days where like, I don't even know if God is, is with me or around or even real. And we go back to the gospel and that's what keeps us grounded. That's why we center this church as a gospel centered, forever focused, multi-ethnic. We're moving. Why? Because he did that. He came. He made sure you would know in 2022. No, I care for you deeply. Here's how you, here's what you can always come back to. Here's how you know I care. I showed up for you and received your sin and your punishment in my body on the cross. How do you know that he cares? Jesus, that's how you know what Jesus did and accomplished. Now, bring it back to present day. We, we got extremes that we gotta stay up. We gotta, we gotta stay in the road, right? I got young drivers in my house, right? It's really important. Stay in the road, right? You, you, you get scared, you get too close to the middle, like there's traffic coming the other way. We gotta knock, we gotta drift over there. You get too far over here, why are we off the road? Right, let's bring that right tire back inside that little line, let's keep it here. So here's the extremes we gotta stay away from. One side is, is what in the old days in our country, which is some of this in our country's history, this thing called deism. This was, yes, there's a God, and he's good, and he created and he put us all out here and he's kind of just letting it play out, right? He's, he's there and he's good, but he's not very involved. Does he care about us? Sure. But, you know, not necessarily the day-to-day. -day. Here, here, we don't call it deism anymore. How you hear it in the church today is people are like, you know what? God's so good. He saved me. I know he's got a lot bigger things to worry about than what's going on in my job, right? That's how we say it. And it sounds a little better when we say it that way. It's really offensive to God. Right, when we think that way, because he's a personal God, and yes, and what are we doing? We're humanizing God. We know that we can't handle what's on our plate, so we can't imagine what it'd be like to God to handle wars and, and, and all the brokenness and all the stuff and seven billion people, so little old me, oh, who am I? There's no way that he's like, and he's like, no, I am. I'm not you, I'm not human. There's not too much on my plate. I know what you're struggling with. I know about your job. I deeply care about you and everybody else at the same time. I can handle that. Right, so we gotta stay away from this, this uh, you know, God just puts things in motion and he's kind of hands off and call me if I'm, that's not who God is. He cares personally and intimately. But then we gotta not go off the road over here. Over here is what we like to call, you know, this, this genie God, where we think, oh no, God is, God is all about me. So he is available, and if I want this job, if I name it, then I can claim it. You, right? you heard that? Like he, he works for me. Because that ain't him either. We serve, right? The word, the word serve and master and Lord are all through scripture. And we know who we are and we know who he is. And if we get that twisted where he's the servant and we're the master, man, that ain't God, right? Here's a statement that, that, that I love to say. We, we say he's working for you, but he doesn't work for you, all right? God is working, man. He is working and he is for you. He's not against you. He's so good. He's so patient. He's so, God is working for you, but he does not work for you. You are not the employer of God. God, here's what I need you to do. No, All right? So we got to keep it in the middle. What's the middle? Hey, I work for him. I serve him. He has done this for me, but I believe that he deeply cares about specific little decisions in my life. It's personal and it's real. Romans 12, verse two, beautiful verse. We've talked about it before. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a promise, right? Don't conform, what does that mean? The world is going a certain way. The world has a certain view. Uh, the world, that's where some of you, man, I'm praying for you because you are, you, are, you are so close to being transformed by God, but you continue to conform to the thinking of the world, the media of the world. You're getting wisdom from the world and it's in, it's in opposition to God's wisdom. They're not the same. The world teaches us to live for us. The world teaches us that God is a genie, like everything is about us. Don't conform to the pattern of this 
this world. No, let's be changed, right? We always talk about transformation over transaction. We wanna be transformed, not transacted with God. Transactional religion is, hey, I prayed a prayer. I did the thing. When this is all over, I think I'm good. I'm okay. Like I'm not going to the bad place. So I did the transaction. Now I can kind of live my life and I'll call you if I need you on hard days. Transformation is, no, I'm in relationship with a living act of God. Jesus' spirit lives in me and it's a process day by day. I'm being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. How do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. God changes how you think. God needs to change some of your thinking about how much he actually cares for you. And for whatever reason, and there's good reasons that matter, some of you struggle with really believing that God cares about the details of your life. He wants to renew your mind. How does he do that? Through a lot of things we'll get to next week, but it's a changing. He transforms us by how we think. Everything starts with how we think. Then there's this beautiful promise at the end of the, ver- the word, end of the verse. Then, what do you mean then? Not, not when you're complete, like none of us are complete on this earth. As he is renewing our minds and transforming us, then as we go, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. God promises that he'll reveal what his will is. Right, so instead of trying to figure out if you should leave your specific job or not, which I'm gonna, if I, we could have one-on-ones, me and you, we could have an hour counseling, all me and you, one-on-one, and I'd be batting probably about 250, right? About 25%, I'd give good advice. The other ones, I'd mess you up. Instead of that plan, what if we go to a God who promised to reveal his will to you as you allowed him to transform you and renew your mind? Which comes to the second question, What do you believe about God's level of care? Second, what do you believe about God's level of competence? Now, I went with competence because I like these to start with a C because that makes me happy when they start with the same letter. It really makes me happy. But I wasn't going to force it. And then I looked up this definition, definitions on the screen of competent. Having the necessary ability, knowledge, or skill to do something successfully. I was like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. What is your level of trust in God's skill ability or knowledge about your life? How competent is he to steer you and guide you to the right next step? Be real with yourself. I believe with all my heart that his level of competence to run your life is off the charts. It's higher than I can preach, but it it comes down to this question of who's the author of your story? Who do you believe is writing the story of your life? You understand, like writing is such a, uh, is such a skill that is foreign to me, but I'm so impressed with it. Um, we, we, my family, we got to go see Wakanda forever the other day. And if you know this man, Ryan uh, Coogler, uh, just, just insanely talented. And, and there was a plot and there was a story that changed because of the death of of Chadwick Boseman and, and had to go back and just like, how do you come up with that, right? And it's coming from human brains and a few guy, people outside of him, but mainly him, just to, to come to these, these scripts and these plots and these, these storylines that just move us, like it's moving to our hearts. Who's the author? Like, do you believe that there's a... There's something or somebody, call him what you want. We call him God. Do you think there's someone writing a story that includes you and your life, that that somebody's intentional and this time and place and even you were meant to be here at Relentless at the 9 a.m.? Do you think it's that detailed and that specific? And if you do, do you think he's good at it? Do you think he can write a better story? than you could ever write yourself because we don't, we, don't really need, we don't really see the pride in the other way, but I've, I've lived it, there's so much pride. If we're saying, like I've said in parts of my life, if we're saying, I mean, I love God or I believe in God or I'm good with God, but I know he's so busy because, you know, I know, you know but I, I'm gonna I'm write my own story and if, and if I'm doing something wrong, then that's kind of like, he'll let me know. Or you see how much arrogance is in that that lane of, man, there may be a God, but I'm gonna write my own. 
I think I can write a better story with my life that I didn't create, the breath in my lungs that we say, like he gave me life, he created me, he designed me, he knows me, he rescued me, he sent Jesus in in my place so that I can have a relationship with him and he has a plan for me, but you know what? I think I can write a better story than the God of the universe can write. And we don't say it that way, but sometimes that's what our, that's what our heart is, right? That I can write. How, how much do you trust that God is smart enough to do something amazing with your little short life on this earth? Right? And we try, to, we try to wiggle out of that question. It's like, well, it's not, my, it's not my confidence in God. It is your confidence in God. No, my issue is not with God. My issue is with me. I know God's competent. I'm a mess. Here's the deal. God's competence is so much bigger than your messness. That's kind of the point of the whole scripture, right? That our, our messed upness cannot overcome his goodness, his grace, his relentless love. So don't come with, well, God may be competent, but I, like, you're not too messed up for him to do something beautiful with your life. It really comes back to, is he smart enough and good enough and powerful enough and competent enough to write a beautiful story? Here's what we say. So a lot of you, this is the testimony of a lot of people in this room. Man, I had no idea what God was doing at the time. But looking back, looking back, I see, I see how good God was. I see that he was working the whole time, right? When we talk about God's will, right, we gotta remember there's two types, right? So there's the, what, what someone called the macro God's will. This is the overarching, this is the 30, this is, this is the God's will that you and I, nobody can do anything about. Right? God was going to send a Messiah. God was going to send him to the cross. God was going to raise Jesus from the dead. Right? God was going to start his church. His church will win and prevail. There's not, it's God's will. There's nothing. It's going to happen. There's nothing you or anybody else can do about it. That's the will of God, unchangeable, unstoppable, boom. Right? Then there's the specific will of God in your life. And this is where we get it wrong. We don't understand. And you use these phrases like everything happens for a reason, which it does. And a lot of times the reason is sin. Right, we use these phrases that are against what God. The truth is that God's will does not always happen in my life, that there is a lane and a choice and a decision, and I can go with God's will or I can live outside of God's will. Right? Otherwise, Romans 12 doesn't make any sense. We have to be renewed in our mind and be transformed so that we will know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We, his will for my life, I can go with that and step into that, or I cannot. Right? We, can, we can rebel against him in our decisions. We can rebel against him in our jobs. We can do all kinds of things. And he's good and he's loving and he's gracious, but in those moments, we're living outside of his will. The older I get, the more I crave the safety and peace that comes from being right smack dab in the middle of his will. What's your level of trust in the competence of God to get you where you need to go occupationally, relationally, future? Right, we, we, gotta, we talk about our testimony of, hey, I didn't see what God was doing, but now looking back, oh my goodness, he was there all along. Right? We gotta understand the difference between testifying and faith. When we testify, and there's stories in this room, beautiful stories of, man, I felt so lost. I was so empty. I was without hope, and God was right there. He was working the whole time. I just didn't know it. Looking, when you do that, that's beautiful. That's called a testimony. That's testifying. What is testifying? You go to a courtroom. They ask you, what did you see? What happened? You're a witness to what already happened. It's beautiful, and it's powerful. That's beautiful, right? But that's not the same as faith. What faith is, is, hey, based on what I can testify to God already has done, I'm not going to wait till I look back and see how he was working. I'm not going to wait till 2025 and say, you know what? He was with me in 2022. It didn't feel like it. It was crazy, right? And testifying comes after the fact. Faith is, I don't even know what he's doing. I can't even feel it or see it. I have no idea. But based on his past performance, I'm trusting that he's working right now. Even when I can't see it or feel it. 
right? Every time we look back, God is so competent, right? He's so worth it. And I keep falling into the trap of, oh, now I see. At what point can we say, you know what? I'm not going to wait till he comes through. He loves it. You see it, Jesus. You see how he responded to different scenarios. He was stopped in his tracks by, I am amazed at your what? Your faith. I love it when you declare with your life, I know you're going to come through. Have no idea how. What's your level of trust in his care and his competence for you? And then finally, the third, what is your, what do you believe about God's level of communication skills? Right, you know, you know how impressive it is? Like sometimes there's young people in our church and you talk to them and they're just, they're just past their years sometimes. Like they're able to communicate, articulate, good eye contact, some of those just basic things. But it's like, man, that, that, that young lady, that young man, what, what about God? How are his communication skills in your life? This is enormous, y'all, because I don't know everybody in the room. I know that there's folks, and we are a church, the untold, unconvinced, that they're just not sure that God cares. Man, from the, from the parking lot to the first song to that, like, we're praying that you, that we prayed the Spirit would do things we can't. Man, we're praying that you would have a confidence that God cares about what's going on in your heart and your mind, that he designed you and created you, and you will never be whole until you come home to him, and it's the best thing, and you'll believe it's the best thing when you come home to We believe that. But we also know there's a lot of people in this room right now, you know God cares, and you know that he's competent. You trust his knowledge to run your life. You've been there for months or some of you years, some of you decades. But then we get to this. And you're not so sure that God wants or maybe can communicate his will for your life. What good is it if God cares about you and he's competent, he knows what's best for you? Like, how, what good is that if he doesn't communicate it? Right, if, if, I, if I told my kids over here, if I told them, like, listen, I care so much for you and I've got this beautiful plan, like when, when, when you know, I've got this whole plan for your life. Uh, when, when you turn 21, I got this plan. It's, it's, it's gonna be better than anything you can ever, oh, it's, it's gonna be great. And, and, but, but I never tell them. Like they just know there's a plan and it's supposedly good, but they got no details and it's just vague and out there somewhere. That's how some of us are living. If he, if he cares so deeply about you and he's competent to have a plan for you that's better than anything you could write for yourself, how could he not have a method and a way and a plan to communicate that to you? That's a messed up God, if you ask me. If, I, if, it's a, if it's a God up there who loves us and who knows what's best for every one of us and just withholds that information from us, that ain't cool. We're talking about, what do you think, be honest with yourself this morning. What do you think about God's ability? And I think for some of you, God's willingness to communicate Next steps, and I should say next step. You know that beautiful Old Testament verse, uh, this lamp, the word is, it's a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. If you know about lights on the path, especially back in the day with torches, we, sometimes we want, you know, the next 50 steps with God, and very often he's willing to give us one, just take this step. So it's not necessarily next steps. A lot of times it's just next step. What do you believe about his ability and willingness to tell you what your next step in life is? big or small. I believe with all my heart that his ability and willingness to communicate is off the charts. But we run into something. I call it this weird factor, right? And this is in church weirdness, right? If we're, and this is a part of my, my history and God is, is good and kind and patient with me. But for a lot of my life as a pastor, if we're talking in the lobby and we're looking eye to eye and you lead with, here's what God told me this week, right? I'm a good pastor. I'm shaking my head. But in my soul, I'm rolling my eyes. Well, yeah, that's what the weird people say. God told you. All right, God told you. God told me I should go uh, to this, uh, to, to Food Lion 
and, and not go to Aldi. I don't know what it was, but it just, I felt uh, something in my soul and God told me, right? Um, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm like, okay, you know, but in my heart, I never said it because I knew better. In my heart, it's like, dude, crazy, right? God don't care what grocery store you go to, right? And, and God, in his patience, has helped me get over that. And he's gonna help some of you get over that because if you serve a God, who cares about you and is competent about your life and wants to communicate with you, but then you get caught in the weirdness of a God that communicates, right? Your growth in life is gonna be stunted, right? We, we, have, we have made God, uh, you know, non, we're trying to make him comfortable. We're trying to make, and we're uncomfortable with God speaking. Now, my story, and I know people that I love and trust that have a different story. My story, I've never heard God audibly, like out loud, Boom, he said that to me out loud, just like me and you were talking. I've never heard an audible voice, but man, God has spoken to me more times than I could count in more ways than I could count. We, we gotta get over the weirdness. If there's a God who created everything from nothing, everything you see out here, all the beauty of this world came from his, like he created us in his image and we messed it up and we didn't trust him and we rebelled against him and we got the disease of sin. And then he sent his own son who was fully God into human form. And we believe that he died on a cross. And in that moment, all the shame and punishment and separation of sin of the whole world was on him and he died for it and with it. And he was holy and he never sinned. And we believe that God raised him from the dead. He was fully, completely dead. And then he just walked out like, what? Death? What? We, and then we believe he put his spirit in us and he, and he started this global multi-ethnic church and it's been 2,000 years and it's moving and it's taking ground. We believe all that, but we're weirded out because somebody says God spoke to them. If you want to get weirded out about something, be weirded out about dead dude being alive. If you can believe and get on with that, then you got to believe that there's a God who wants, is willing and able to communicate to your life. You see what we're missing? If we just say God cares for me and he's competent to lead me in my next step, but I don't think he still talks to people. Like, what are you gonna do with that? That's not true. And then it just leaves you kind of hanging to figure it out on your own. Now, don't let this scare you. There's so much grace. Some of you for the first time in your life through this series, even through this message, you're gonna to start to hear from God. That's so exciting for us as a church. The people have just been like, I love God, I follow God. I don't even know what you're talking about. God is gonna to start to speak to your life because you're gonna, he's gonna open your eyes that he does wanna communicate with you. Don't get nervous about it because even when you mess it up, which we will, we're human, right? Our humanity makes it difficult to always clearly, and there's a lot of things, we'll get to that next week. But we talk about Paul all the time, right? Because Paul, he's such, a, he's such an inspiration for our church because he hated, he hated Christians. And then he became a Christian and became a church planter and became a missionary and wrote all these books in the New Testament. So Paul was, was being led by the Spirit and Paul didn't get it right. right? There's this one beautiful short little text where Paul wanted to go to what's modern day Turkey is a Bithynia, but it's modern day. He wanted to go to Turkey and do what? What did Paul want to do? Go on vacation, go, you know, blow a lot of money. You know, God wanted to go to Bithynia for one reason, to preach the gospel. And it might not be safe for Paul to be there preaching the gospel, but he didn't care. I got to go preach to these people. They need to hear the gospel. I got to get there. Right, but the, the thing was that God had a different, Plan. Look at it, Acts 16, it's on the screen. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Fergia and Galatia, having been kept, what? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they entered, they tried, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the bad people stopped them. No, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae, went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. All right, understand what's happening. All Paul wants to do is go preach the gospel to people that need it in Bithynia, present-day Turkey. 
And it says the spirit of Jesus didn't let them. And then because Paul was a little bit thick headed, he needed a vision and a dream of a man in Macedonia, which is modern day Greece. He needed, he needed somebody in Greece in a vision from God. It took God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It took the whole Trinity to keep Paul from going to the wrong place. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once. Luke's writing this. He was part of, he was eyewitness to this. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Man, that gives me so much peace. I can, I can trust God and his communication. And if I get it wrong, which we're going to do, and I'm trying to go here with good intentions, I'm just trying to get to Bithynia because they need the gospel. How could that be wrong? Well, because God knows what we don't know and he's got a beautiful plan. And that's not where he needed Paul, but he communicated that and he got him where he was supposed to go. Now it took, it took a vision. It took, it took a, all, we don't know the deed. I love to know like how did, when it says it stopped them from entering, what was that, Right. But somehow, some way, if your heart is open and you believe in his communication skills, he'll get you where you're supposed to go and he'll keep you from where you're not supposed to go. It's this idea, I mentioned this beautiful story of Jamie Winship last week, the, the story, if you were here, about how he prayed, I wanna, I wanna police and be in law enforcement like this woman is a nurse, this, his whole testimony of how this one nurse just changed his life and uh, his whole deal today is, is just the mind of Christ asking two questions. God, what do you want me to know? And God, what do you want me to do? It's powerful. What do you want me to know? And, and, and it's based on a belief that God wants to communicate those things to you. So let's, let's review. What is your level of trust in God's care for you? All that he's, that, he, that he's so invested in your life and your next step and your well-being and your good that he knows the details and specifics of your life. What, what is your level of trust and his competence that if there's a choice and you kind of want to go this way and God's calling you this way, what's your level of confidence in his competence that his way is best? And what's your level of trust in his, both his willingness and his ability to communicate his will to you? That's the foundation for where we're going. And, and it, it's not in any way, shape, or form all about preaching, but it's connected to preaching. Right? When I read scripture about what I'm doing right now, it is so humbling because it tells me that I should speak to you as if I'm speaking the words of God. I'm not God. Right? I don't speak for God in that. I change what he's already said, but I am to bring alive what he's already spoken. And that for whatever reason, he chooses to communicate through a bunch of different avenues and ways. But he still, for 2,000 years, he's communicated to his church through preaching. You know, 20 years ago when I would preach, if you can imagine me in my 20s, I was, I was uh, full of a lot of things. Um, but I, you know, I, I could get a church laughing and, you know, I would come up and preach as the youth pastor every once in a while. And I was stylistically completely different than the lead pastor I worked for. Um, and, and just, you know, there's some people that were like, man, you should preach more and all this. And, and it was, it was so messed up because I was judging my message, right? Um, I, the reason like that we have these lights on, you know, it's kind of dark when we worship. I, I need to see faces and, and eyes and um, reactions. And, and, and it, my whole goal in life, and I didn't even realize at the time, I wanted to be engaging and I, and I wanted to be entertaining. So when I finished preaching a message, it needed to be about, I was preaching the Bible, don't get me wrong. But if you were like engaged and I could see on your face, like you were with me. And if my joke landed, like that was a good day. Right, because I, was, I came up in this, like the worst thing you can do as a preacher is bore people. So I wasn't gonna bore them. I was gonna be funny. I was gonna be loud. I was gonna be extra. I was gonna be all of that. And then, you know, was, the Bible's in there and that's God's part and he'll do his thing. But if, if and, and, and the other way, man, if it, was a, if it was a quiet day, man, if my jokes didn't land, I had to not look at this one dude in that church. His name was Terry, man. And I, at first it was so personal to me, but then I realized 
Man, he's sleeping before my intro's even done. It ain't me, man. He's just, and he would like, he'd snore in church. Like he would get a good power nap. God bless Terry, right? But I would, I would, man, man, my stuff didn't land and it was like, it wasn't great. It was so, it's so messed up, right? So like you may think, well, that, no, that's backward. Because what I wasn't going for in preaching was life change. I would take educating or uh, entertaining and maybe educating and, and engaging over life changing. Why? Because I knew deep down subconsciously that I didn't have anything in me that could, uh, could equal life change. So I settled for engaging and entertaining because humans, preachers can't change lives, not long-term, not spiritually, not eternally. And then as God has so patiently through the years taught me what preaching is, Paul said, hey, let my preaching not be wise and eloquent. May people not leave saying, dude, it's good, right? May people, may it be a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So now I've changed and evolved into used to be. I'd feel real funny about saying, you need to be in here and hear this. Because I'm like, man, I'm so like, I felt like that was prideful. It's nothing about me. It doesn't matter if it's me or Joy or Raph or a guest speech speaker. What we believe here is that God still speaks. And he speaks in a bunch of ways. But part of it is preaching. That he wants to communicate to your specific life. How many times have I heard you say in this church, God, how, like you're in my business today. I ain't in your business. There's a God of the universe who cares for you, who's competent, and he communicates through his word, through prayer, through people. We'll get to all that next week. But he also communicates through the preaching of his word. I don't fully understand. That's why when I'm not preaching, I'm here receiving from God through preaching. That's why I listen to some preachers through the week, right? Because I need to not just do the preaching, but receive the preaching. That's why we teach, right? In churches, you always got workers. We're so blessed with people in this church. They'll do anything that needs to be done. The ugly stuff, the behind the scenes stuff, and we love it and we're so thankful for them and we need more of that. But what we never want to get to is, man, they work. They don't come to church because they're always working, That's not cool because we all need to hear from God through preaching. Not so I can speak to your life. I don't have a clue, but God communicates to you through preaching. Here's the question I want to leave you with. Are we living in a way that allows us to see God and hear from God? All right, we're going to get real specific next week because, man, we got to come back. We got to figure out if some of you are leaving your job or not, right? That's the, we got to figure that out, but I'm not going to have the answer. God is. So the first question to get there is, are we living in a way that if God is going to be really visible and clear and beautiful, and if he is going to talk to your specific life, would you, would you hear it? You might say, well, isn't that on him? Like I want what Paul got. Like Paul got a vision. Paul was going the wrong place and he had a dream. So I'm cool with that. If God wants to give me a dream, like, God still does that, right? Do you know that there is an insane amount of testimonies in the last 10 years of people in the Muslim community having dreams about Jesus and secretly seeking out Christians? Like, what is this dream? God still works in visions and dreams. So, so if you're like, hey, I'm, I, if he wants to do that, don't say if he wants to do that, why don't you start praying, God, if you want to communicate to me through dreams, I'm open to that. But it's not so simple as, hey, if that's on God, if he wants to communicate. No, you've got to live in a way where you're open to seeing God work and hearing him speak. And there's so much spiritual battle in that. If if you already belong to Jesus, you're his, right? The enemy has lost you. What can he do? He can blur the lines. What he doesn't want is you to have this relationship that's intimate where you're actually receiving and, and communicating with from God, like there's a lot on the line in that. So he's gonna create what? Noise, just noise. That's why we always come back to this word in our church because we know that it's our enemy, this word of busyness. We're so busy, well, we're all busy, it just happens. Well, the problem with busyness, it's not that God can't communicate, it's that we can't hear. The busier you are, the less likely you are to hear from God. Let me say that again. The busier you are, the less likely you are to hear from God. And that's not because God is lacking. It's because our minds get too jumbled up. We've got it. That's the, the, the be still that we sang. That's real. 
It's a lifestyle of just looking. Like, how can I see God work today? Uh, Dean Troon, my, my, one of my spiritual fathers and mentor, he stood on this stage. First time he's preached at Relentless. Uh, he lives in Arizona. We talk every other week, and some of you got to see him this summer. He spoke, um, preached, and, and I was here that day that he preached. He preached an amazing message about prayer that, that is changing. We're going to do some things differently as a church based on that message, what God did in some of your hearts through that message on prayer. The 72-year-old man that means the world to me. So I, I hadn't I hadn't seen him preach in a long time until this summer, that, that day in July he was here. And I sat through both messages. Um, and unlike how I preach, he used almost completely different stories, first service and second. Right, I don't do that, by the way, right? So the 11 o'clock, they get, they, get the, they get the stuff you get, right? But for him, like there was a, there was a story that was the same, but like he had his, his outline and then he had just a story to illustrate his point and dude's got so many stories of God working that he just goes by the Spirit, just goes into his bag. I'm going I'm to hit this service with this story. He couldn't even tell you in advance which stories he can go to. But I know like the, the way he lives, like Sunday to Sunday, and he doesn't preach every week. But if he did, he's got stories of God working. He doesn't have to go back to 2004 or 2000. Like, every week he sees God work. Isn't that the life we want to live? Instead of going back to, man, God did this thing, planted this church. He came through back in 2014. It was, yeah, that was awesome. But God's doing work every day. We just got to open our eyes and our hearts to it. Quote on the screen. If you're in the habit of listening to God in the day-to-day, then it'll be natural for you to listen to God in the big decisions. Are you in that habit? Are you in that lane? I'm listening to God day to day. He's communicating. And if you're not, then God wants to start that habit. And the foundation of that habit is what is your level of trust in God's level of care and his level of competence and his level of a willingness and ability to communicate his will to your life? We'll go another step. We're gonna really help you know what to do with life. I'm not, God is next week. It's gonna boring proof your life. If you feel like, man, life's kind of boring right now, come next week. We're gonna boring proof your life. Do not quit your job this week. You gotta be here next Sunday. Then you might, you might quit right after service. I don't know, I was gonna leave that up to God. But for today, man, if you could be honest with your level, and if it's not there, you're like, God, I don't, I don't know if I trust you to care for me or or. or your, your level of knowledge or your communication skills. Man, would you pray with me that God would fill the gap? He's patient and good. And he would even show you this week that you can trust him in all those ways. Pray with me. Father, we, it, it's stunning, God. And, and, I, and I repent again of, of, of my heart in, in past times of putting it, people in this weird bucket because of, talking about hearing from you. God, you are a God who's alive. You're a God who speaks. God, forgive us when we put you in a box and we want you to speak in a certain way or in a, in a certain time or a certain method. God, thank you that you don't fit in any of our boxes. God, would you give us a crazy amount of confidence in your level of care for us, that your level of competence in leading our lives and your level of willingness and ability to communicate your will to us. Help us form a habit if we don't yet have one of looking and hearing from you in the day-to-day, every day. And when those big decisions come, God will already be in the lane of knowing how to listen and hear from you. God, thank you that you never steer us wrong. God, I pray you do what I can't do. God, for those in the room that you're taking on a different path, you're about to call them to turn hard one way or the other. God, open them up to that. God, for those in the room that you're gonna say, just keep going exactly where you're going. God, would you prepare and open their heart and mind to that? God, help us be excited that we serve a God that wants to speak to our lives now, today, and this week. Pray we go in that confidence. We pray and go in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget Angel Tree and with love from Jesus this Saturday. Y'all have a great week.